This is kind of apt timing for this topical intro. Chelsea, we've been talking about Japan for a couple weeks now in our podcast as we are recording this episode. (laughs) One thing we haven't talked about really is modern day Japan, which is facing a aging population crisis. And one economist has come out with a brilliant plan for dealing with it that made it to New York Times. This is not the New York Times episode because they have a robust paywall. This is instead the Daily Mail version of the <laughs> article, which we will be going over now. It came out on February 12th, 2023, written by Stephen Lapore. Title of the article, Yale University Economics Professor Sparks Outrage by Proposing Mass Suicide and Disembowelment of Elderly People in Japan to Deal with the Country's Rapid Aging Society. What? But why? We're going to get into that. Okay. I think. Or we won't. And there'll just be more questions. We're just leaving it at that, eh? A Yale University professor has sparked outrage by suggesting the only way to deal with Japan's rapidly aging population is a mass suicide and disembowelment. Oh my God. Yusuke Narita an assistant professor of economics at Yale. Notice he is not in Japan, nor old. Also, the photo they have here of him, he's wearing glasses, I think. Uh, Yes, yes, that is him. (laughs) One side of his glasses is a circle and the other side's a square. Interesting. That would make it hard to focus on him. Yes, but not for him to focus on you. It's the ultimate game plan right there. (laughs) So Yusuke Narita, an assistant professor of economics at Yale, who is not in Japan nor old, so doesn't have to deal with this, defended his views in a New York Times profile this weekend after he made the remarks on a streaming news program in 2021. Quote, I feel like the only solution is pretty clear, unquote, he said at the time. Quote, in the end, isn't it mass suicide and mass seppuku of the elderly? End quote. Seppuku was a ritual disembowelment that was forced upon samurai who had brought dishonor to themselves in 19th century Japan. Narita told the New York Times he was taken out of context, but he has also said that euthanasia could become mandatory in the future, his comments forcing a backlash nonetheless. He claims that this would allow younger generations to make their way in business, politics, and other aspects of society that the older generation refuses to leave. Japan has a low birth rate and the most public debt in the first world. The country has 1.34 births per woman below the United States at 1.65. Last year, Japan saw its population plunge by more than 600,000 due to declining fertility rates and a rapidly aging population. The country's population dropped for the 11th consecutive year and was down by 644,000 according to its Ministry of Internal Affairs and Communications. The overall population fell as deaths exceeded births by 609,000 and as people who moved out of the country outnumbered those who moved in by 35,000. Yusuke's comments not only made people angry, but won him an audience. He has over 569,000 Twitter followers, which doesn't actually seem like that much. I feel like they're throwing that out of proportion there. (laughs) Especially with the way Twitter is right now. (laughs) He frequently shows up in Japanese media wearing casual clothing and presents himself much like a radio shock jock. His Twitter bio proclaiming, quote, the things you're told you're not allowed to say are usually true, end quote. Narita was asked to defend his views in a class earlier this year and did so by showing a clip from the 2019 film Midsommar in which a cult forces an older member to jump off a cliff. Whether that's a good thing or not, that's a more difficult question to answer, Narita said. So if you think that's good, then maybe you can work hard toward creating a society like that. So it really doesn't sound like he actually has an argument other than there's too many old people. I mean, I guess if that's your argument, that's your argument. (laughs) And that's why you should, if you're looking for a job that you don't have to be that good at or explain yourself that well, or actually get anything right, go be an economist. It's the easiest fucking job in the world, so long as somebody wants to hear what you're saying. (laughs) 
Take it to Twitter. His comments received renewed attention when social media discovered them in January with the sociologist complaint, proclaiming them as hatred towards the vulnerable. Narita told the Times he was primarily concerned with the phenomenon in Japan, where the same tycoons continue to dominate the worlds of politics, traditional industries, and media entertainment journalism for many years. And I don't know how he's saying that just that only happens in Japan, where it's just like people who have always been in the media are just the media. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Like, he literally lives in the U.S. and teaches at Yale. Like, how does he not see the similarity? I think... If I'm not mistaken, most of the world has that problem coming up. Most of it. Yeah. Maybe the Western. I don't know. He allows that the way he said it was meant as a metaphor for how an older generation must be phased out. And he has softened his language since. And quote, I should have been more careful about their potential negative connotations. Narita said, quote, after some self-reflection, I stopped using the words last year. And <laughs> he's not alone, however, as one of the major players in the country's liberal Democrat party which we talked about extensively suggested old people need to hurry up and die <laughs> narita spread his message on social media and in comedy shows energy drink ads and even via tiktok and impressionist comedy shows i think that's as far as i need to go i thought that was an interesting article i found today yeah and really just like i have very little respect for economists just because not really anything other than a way for rich people to make everybody else agree with that's literally the job of an economist. What a fresh take on Japan's aging population. Who would have thought it would be so easy to fix that problem? Yeah, now if only they would all listen. That's a different problem. Yeah. Chelsea, anything to add to that? No, I don't think so. Okay, then let's how about get into this episode. Okay, let's do it. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on our journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, where sometimes timing of intros and episodes being filmed and uh, what's coming out coincide perfectly. We are your timing-wise apt hosts, Taylor and Chelsea, here today talking about something I don't know other than that it is foot-oriented, which sounds kind of creepy if taken out of the context of fringe topics, which just makes me think big. But I will leave that up to Chelsea to reassure me, hopefully, that it is going more in the Bigfoot way and less in the creepy way. Hey, how did you guess that? <laughs> I tried to make it so cryptic. So just like Taylor has said, yet another episode that is a surprise. Well, probably only a true surprise for Taylor is the title by this point is probably very punny and gave it partially away or you read it or you're just here and it is a surprise. So Taylor, since you're the only person I can ask right now, because I can ask the listeners. The only person you can ask who will give you an answer. You can ask anybody in anything. real time, but I want an answer right now. Okay. I want an answer. So I have to ask you. <laughs> What would you say if I told you this episode was about feet and not Bigfoot? I would possibly say it would be cryptid footprints. Okay. In general. Well, it's not, so. <laughs> okay. Oh no, we're not going the creepy way, are we? I don't know where you're thinking. We're not talking about foot fetishes. So. Okay, because those are mainstream at this point, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's too mainstream for us. Not foot fetishes, not cryptid feet, and not just any feet. Not just, you know, mundane feet walking Oh, around. wait. No, I figured it out. It's the feet that keep washing up on shore. 
It is. Yes. yes. So this episode is you win nothing. <laughs> but satisfaction of guessing it. This episode is specifically about many single feet. Some of them match. Some some are not matching. Pairs of feet in running shoes that are found washed up on shore in a very specific area in the world, which is the Salish Sea. So not only am I doing a sort of mystery. Well, it's not really a mystery, actually. Turns out they pretty well know why they're washing up, but it's one of those topics that I think many people think it's a mystery it also comes with intrigue of i also think people don't want to hear the answer because any actual answer as to why dismembered body parts are washing up on shore probably going to be a sad or disturbing answer it is it kind of is i got some satisfaction in getting that answer though but i i feel like most people are going to hear that and they say wow that's creepy i don't want to learn anything more about it other than that (laughs) there's a mystery of feet well that comes at the end so listen to the whole episode or people really like the theory that they just hear ha there's a mystery afoot and they don't want to ruin the and they like that i was i don't know if i was satisfied with but we'll get to it eventually it at the very end so at least listen to all the mystery and then keep going it's weird but i digress i'm also doing this sort of mystery episode because it's super local to me and it's a weird thing so i didn't know just how local it was to me i thought it was vancouver island but turns out a lot of it's happening right in not my neighborhood but you know in areas i've been to before If you haven't heard anything about this, or if you need a refresher, since August 2007, at least 20 detached human feet have been found on the coasts around the Salish Sea. And the Salish Sea is in the Pacific Ocean. Well, it's beside the Pacific Ocean. I just really want to ask a quick question here. Would you consider it 20 feet, or would you consider it 20 foots? Because they're not pairs. Like, they're individuals. A lot of them. Some of them are pairs, and I didn't know that. So I guess you could use it interchangeably. It's kind of like if you have a bunch of individuals, it would be persons. Right. It should be foot. I, I be think foots. it's foot, but I don't yes. know for sure. Any detached human foot, which sounds wrong to say. <laughs> yeah. Also, it does disturb me how close you are to these, and you're doing an episode on them. And I learned some really cool things about the area I live in. No, it's not the fact that I worry for your safety. I'm more so worried you have involvement in this. And (laughs) that's why you learned so much about (laughs) You can't just put that in this episode. You can edit it out. You're editing this episode. (laughs) Chelsea has no attachment (laughs) to this mystery. Disclaimer. Okay, so 20... Detached human foots have been found on the coast of the Salish Sea. I listened to a bunch of podcasts leading up to this, and I find it so funny that everybody says Salish wrong, and they're saying Salish or something like that. And being that said, I'm really hoping I'm saying Salish Sea right because that's the only way I've ever heard it pronounced. Oh yeah, the, and, and I heard the um, like indigenous group, the Coast Salish. It comes up a lot in like yeah um, land recognition, so I assume it's the Salish Sea. Yeah, I assume it is as well, and I've heard it pronounced multiple times being where I'm from so that's it and (laughs) so the Salish Sea is in the Pacific Ocean area off the Pacific Ocean but it falls within the island territories of Canada correct yes and the United States so it lies off the coast of British Columbia specifically between Vancouver Island and the mainland British Columbia as well as Washington State so it includes the Strait of Georgia the Strait of Juan de Fuca and the Puget Sound and not only are there a fuck ton of islands in this area it also includes Vancouver and Victoria in Canada and Seattle Tacoma Everett in the United States to name just a few cities that you're going to see that fall in 
into this general area. I know Washington has a lot of islands in this area as well that I'm not as familiar with. If you're American, that will be the Juan de Fuque Strait. Yeah. I must stress that this phenomenon is specific to this area in the world. And while it does happen in some places, like one or two, it's extremely rare for it to happen more than once, even remotely close by to each other. Feet do not just wash up in such numbers or frequency literally anywhere else in the world on beaches. And we'll get to that in a little bit as to why that probably is later on in the episode. Like I said, the odds of the frequency in which this is happening is literally million to one odds and the odds soar even higher to find a matching foot. So first I want to start off with that setup with the foot sightings. I mentioned the date August 2007 when at least 20 detached feet foots have been found washing up on shores around the Salish Sea, but it actually goes back further than that. There is one foot sighting dating back to 1887. Have feet been spawning up on shore since humans have first landed in that area? No, actually. So this is the first one that we have on record. It's 1887. And this is a full half of a human leg. So like from the knee down, washed up on the shores near false creek. Oh shit. So shrinkflation's even hitting the legs and feet to their right yeah. washing up the shores. So it was a leg in a boot, like knee down in a boot. And it washes up near False Creek in Vancouver still wearing this boot. Baffled by the severed extremity, the constables of Vancouver decided that rather than pounding the pavement trying to find the owner of this boot, <laughs> They wanted to return it back to the owner. The obvious way to do this was to place the leg on a pike and leave it outside the precinct office in case the owner came looking for it. Or maybe somebody knew whose boot that was. They're like, that looks like Bob's boot. And they're like, you know, now that we mention it, Bob, we haven't seen Bob in a while. And he had a really nice boot. I want He this. had a nice boot. Nobody ever found the owner to this boot or leg. It's still a mystery to this day. But fun fact, I found it fun. For all you locals in the area, the police station where this leg sat looking for its rightful owner is now gone. And that's not the fun fact. What is there now is called Leg and Boot Square. <laughs> and that does still stand. It's by Falls Creek. If you're ever in Vancouver, I myself probably by this time have visited it and I will be posting it to the social medias. That I found that to be a very interesting Vancouver fact. And I love that it's still a place. Leg and boot square so it's literally just named after the fact that somebody found a boot there yeah it is a boot with a leg in it okay (laughs) the very cleverly named leg and boot square is it Um, cleverly or just really lazily it's very literally that's the right answer (laughs) yes the next sighting, which was published in the Vancouver Sun, July 30th, 1914, that recent arrivals from Kimsquit, sorry, so that one I do not know if I am saying right, reported a human leg encased in a high boot was found on a beach near the mouth of the Salmon River, a previous name for the Dean River near Kimsquit, near the headquarters of Dean Channel. It was thought the remains were from a man who had drowned on the river from a previous summer. So there we have a few odd sightings going back. These ones are legs and boots. But nobody was worried about that guy being murdered and his foot being no. chopped up then. Like, Not once did that come up to be honest with you that someone was worried there is a serial killer afoot. Okay. Get it? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that was intentional. A feat if you yeah, will. It wasn't until I thought. Until you realized what you said. That's good. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's good. We can edit it out in the post game. <laughs> the sightings were slow back in the old days. Like a one-footed individual. Those yes. are the only two we have up until August 2007. Holy shit, like a hundred years. Yeah. Then there's a long ass hiatus until August 2007. The date I have already said, brought up. Yep, August 2000. And we'll live in infamy. Yes. Yep, sure did. Here it is another time, but I will actually tell you about it now, I think. <laughs> let's continue on and see. I know we're talking sightings, but while we're doing that, let's throw in some stats. Since September 2018, there have been 15 feet found in British Columbia between 2007 and 2018. And I'm pretty sure there have been no more foot sightings since that time, which is why we have that specific time of 2018, September. Five have been found in the state of Washington. So we're winning here in Canada. We're winning the foot race, yeah. We're winning the not to break or anything. This first modern day sighting, I guess you would call it. The detached foot's return happens on Jebediah Island in BC. Here's the date again, August 20th, 2007, just in case you forgot. And this sighting was from a 12 year old girl visiting from Washington who picked up a size 12 men's white and black Adidas shoe and opened the sock for some fucking reason. She didn't realize there was a foot in the shoe when she grabbed it and no. the fact there was a sock sticking out of it. Yeah, you would think it might be heavier than you would think if it was just an abandoned boot. And this girl would be like in her late 20s now. I wonder if she still yeah. like holds this memory in her mind. Like, I would not doubt it. You would. I've never found a foot, so I don't know how it would. Never returned to Canada. Yeah, probably not. It's a horrible place. Wouldn't recommend. Full of foots. She pulls back the sock for some weird reason to find a man's right foot. It is thought to have become disarticulated due to submerged decay. This kind of shoe was produced in 2003 and distributed mainly in India. So six fucking days later, six days later, all of a sudden there's feet everywhere foots everywhere. August 26, 2007. Remember the first date was August 20th, 2007. Six days. Remember this date because I only give you this one once. This one's Gabriola Island in BC where a man's right foot was discovered by a couple also disarticulated due to decay. I'm pretty sure disarticulated means foot has come apart from the leg. The foot and shoe, not the couple, is disarticulated due to decay. It was waterlogged and appeared to have been taken ashore by an animal. It it probably floated ashore from the south. The shoe, a size 12 white Reebok, was produced in 2004 and sold worldwide, but primarily in North America. And the type has since been discontinued. Just so we're all on the same page, disarticulated means separated bones at the joints. Yeah. So that would be at the ankle joint. Yes. Also, it concerns me a little that these are like fairly large men's size shoes. Yeah. They're not average. Like the average size of a man's foot is anywhere between 8 and 10. Oh, I didn't know that. We're learning lots of fun facts in this episode. So there's a quote from this particular foot finding from Gary Cox of the Horse Boys, or the RCMP if you prefer, who told the Vancouver Sun, quote, two feet being found in such a short period of time is quite suspicious. Finding one foot is like a million to one odds, but finding two was crazy. I've heard of dancers with two left feet, but come on and listen to Gary go. Those Horse Boys, end quote. What are those Horse Boys? Uh, the, actually, the quote ended before I said that. So so the quote ends at, but come on. The third foot 
February 8, 2007 on Valdez Island, British Columbia. It was inside a men's blue and white Nike running shoe size 11. It was produced in 2003 and sold in Canada and the US from February 1st to June 30th, 2003. Super short selling time on this. Foot number four, May 22nd, 2008, Kirkland Island, BC, which is an island in the Fraser Delta between Richmond and Delta, BC. I've never actually heard of this island. And when I Googled it, it is not like an inhabited island. It's just an island you can visit. And this one was a woman's blue and white New Balance running shoe size 7. It was produced in June 1999 and distributed through major retail stores. This found foot was wearing a sock and sneaker. It is thought to have washed down the Fraser River, having nothing to do with the ones found in the Gulf Islands, which is where the previous feet were found. I don't know if it's good to ask this question now or if it's going to come up later. Because you've brought up each time where the sneaker that they're wearing or the shoe they're wearing is predominantly sold, but they all seem to also be wearing socks. Like, is it less regional for socks or is it just something that they've never really looked into? Or pretty much, I think they're just describing in detail what they were wearing and pretty much all of them were wearing socks in a running shoe. Okay. But they've described like, oh, this shoe's sold here. So they're trying to like pinpoint where these people are from. But like, does that sock not give you any further information or is it something they've never really looked into probably not i would assume socks are less regional than shoes which have much more so a cultural connotation and not necessarily regional but maybe monetary differences especially if you're from a wealthier country you're gonna have more different options than a poor yeah i think you're right and with the sneakers i think they're better able to determine like a time frame of perhaps where this foot came from Mm -hmm. Because some of these time frames are super specific. Like the one only had a time frame of a couple months that it was being sold. Yeah. Okay. Like the previous one we were just talking about was only sold. I mean, but then you never know yeah. when it went into the water. And, and sneakerheads have been like quietly waiting for this phenomenon to happen their entire lives. So all this information they've been collecting their entire lives finally became useful. Yeah. So if it's a sneakerhead that's been doing this <laughs> the last couple of years, wouldn't surprise me at all. You know what? It could be someone who went and just uploaded that to Wikipedia because in the end, this compiled it into a really nice just like source of everything. So he might have just gone in and added this. But no, actually, I went through the news articles as well. It was also in the news articles. Okay. In 2011, the fourth sneaker found in Kirkland Island was identified as being part of a pair of blue and white New Balance sneakers belonging to a woman who jumped from the Petulo Bridge in Westminster in 2004, which is British Columbia and the Pichulo Bridge does cross over the Fraser River. Foot number five, a match to the third foot found on Valdez Island. So we're getting matches now, which was found on Westham Island by two hikers June 16, 2008 and matches the third foot in shoe identified as belonging to a 20-year-old Surrey man reported missing four years earlier. So these are all, the last two I mentioned are local to the area. Now, foot six, August 1st, 2008, near Pished Washington, our first one in the States. This is a right foot inside a man's black size 11 shoe was discovered by a camper on a beach. It was covered in seaweed. The site of the discovery was less than 16 kilometers from the international border in the Strait of Juan de Fuca. Testing confirmed that the foot was human. Police say the large black top size 11 athletic shoe for a right foot contains bone and human flesh. This is the first foot of the series to be found outside of BC. The RCMP and Clallam 
County Sheriff's Department agreed on August 5th that the foot could have been carried south from Canadian waters. So we are straight up just thinking this is a Canadian problem. No, point. we're saying that's ours. We get that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have the foots. It's really 16 to 4, not 15 5, jerks. Yeah. <laughs> we spotted you a point because we felt bad. <laughs> foot 7, Richmond, BC. The date, November 11, 2008. Again, a known woman's left foot in a shoe was found floating in the Fraser River in Richmond. The shoe was described as a small New Balance running shoe, possibly a woman's shoe. The forensic DNA profiling analysis indicated that it was the genetic match to the foot discovered on Kirkland Island, May 22nd. The Fraser River, if you're wondering about that, you're thinking river, what's going on? The Fraser River does connect out to the Salish Sea on the mainland. I don't know where it originates. Like way back into British Columbia, I think. Foot number eight, also Richmond, British Columbia, again, October 27, 2009. A right foot in a size eight and a half Nike running shoe on a beach in Richmond. The remains were identified as a Vancouver area man who was reported missing in 2008 in January. Foot nine, my birthday, August 27, 2010, Whidbey Island, Washington. A woman or child's right foot without a shoe or sock. I must have missed this, even though it's right here. Without a shoe or sock, interesting. This foot was determined to have been in the water for two months. Detective Ed Wallace of the Island County Sheriff's Office released a statement saying the foot would be tested for DNA. However, there was no match found in the National DNA Database. Interesting, no shoe or sock. I thought they were all in shoes. Foot 10, Tacoma, Washington, December 5th, 2010, found on the title flats. Quote, the right foot was still inside a boy's size 6 Ozark Trail hiking boot and likely belonged to a juvenile or small adult, end quote. Police spokesman Mark Algum said Tuesday in Tacoma, about 40 kilometers south of Seattle and 225 kilometers south of Vancouver. Foot 11, August 30th, 2011, the next year. Falls Creek, British Columbia, another popular area, and we're going back to the area of Foot and Boot Square. Sex unknown on this one. The foot was found in a man's white and blue size 9 runner floating next to the Plaza of Nations Marina attached to the lower leg bone. It had disarticulated naturally at the knee due to the water. Wait! So this particular area does actually get a different type of foot showing up. Yeah, boots. At least things that could They're fit in. Their legs. Yeah. They detach differently at False Creek. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Very strange. So the last one we got no running shoe or sock. This one we get more of leg in there. Foot 12 is also a weird one. Sassamat Lake, British Columbia, November 4, 2011. Sassamat Lake is in Port Moody, British Columbia. If you know the area, Sassamat Lake is a lake. It is connected by a small kind of, it's not, I wouldn't call it a river by any means. There's like a- An inlet? I don't know, no, it's not an inlet. Like if you look at a map, it's not really anything, but it is connected through like a small thing. I wouldn't even think that a foot would go. Well, maybe it got stuck in it. It's one of the warmest lakes in British Columbia. I don't know. It's not like a river or anything. It's super weird. It kind of connects to the Salish Sea through this, which is an inlet from the Salish Sea. Port Moody has an inlet. It's connected to the Indian arm. This one, I just think it's weird because I would think of it more as a lake. I wouldn't even call it connected to the rest. A man's right foot inside a size 12 hiking boot was discovered by a group of campers 
in a pool of fresh water at Sassamat Lake near Port Moody. In January 2012, this foot was identified by the BC Coroner Service of that as Stefan Zaharushko, a local fisherman who went missing in 1987. Police believe the foot separated naturally from the body and do not suspect foul play. 1987 to 2011. That is a long time for... Yeah, that's 24 years. Yeah. I just, I find that one weird. And I wonder where he was fishing. I would also want to know, like, the status of the foot when they actually found it. Because, like, that couldn't have looked fresh. No, it not in the least bit at all. But we're on to the next sighting. (laughs) Okay. December 13th. No time to think. 2011. Or, no, sorry, this is not the 13th of December. It's the 13th foot. December 10, 2011, Lake Union, Seattle, Washington, human leg bone and foot in a black plastic bag under the Ship Canal Bridge. As of January 2nd, 2012, the medical examiner has not found a cause of death or identified the body. Mm, a few things I find wrong with this. Can you find a cause of death from a leg bone? Blood loss? I don't know. <laughs> no, you know what? If it, if it had some sort of like disease in it, you might be able to. Like, I could see yeah. certain, like, like diseases cancer? you could die from. Possibly, like, leukemia or uh, cancer of the bone. One of those two, I suppose. Yeah, but like, then at that point, you gotta ask, why is it in the river? And why is it in a black plastic bag? Yeah. This is the first one that showed up in a bag, too. That's kind of weird. You're completely right on this, that one. And nobody says on this one specifically that we do not suspect foul play. I would find And it everybody else says me. that. It feels like if you find a foot, you gotta say that. Or it's implied that there was foul play. It's true. And that's why there's so much mystery behind this, because you don't usually hear it in conjunction with the article. Totally natural. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which some of them are, yes. I guess, apparently. Um, Yes. So, foot number 14, January 26, 2012, Vancouver, BC. On January 26, 2012, the remains of what appears to be human bones inside a boot were found in the sand along the waterline at the dog part near the Maritime Museum at the foot of Arbuta Street in Vancouver. And that's all we got on that one. May 6, 2014, another one in Seattle. We discovered the 15th foot. Human foot in white New Balance shoe found along the show. Oh, we haven't heard what kind of shoe other than a boot and a hiking boot recently found along the shoreline of Centennial Park near the Pier 86 Green Terminal. The New Balance Model 622 athletic shoe was white with blue trim, size men's 10 and a half. The model of shoe was first available for sale in April 2008. From an initial news photo, it appears to be a left foot. And that's a lot of detail for you there on just what exactly was found in conjunction with the foot. For the 16th foot you ask i know you're just like just get on to the next foot this one's found on vancouver island february 7 2016 near port renfrew which is on the side of the island that's right on the ocean the ocean is that really the salish sea then it's not the salish sea on that side i don't believe that one would be pacific ocean because there's nothing sheltering it It, that's just wide open yeah that's pacific ocean so not specific to the salish sea but i guess they're not like being like technically a few of them are not specific it can be the pacific yeah (laughs) <laughs> Hikers on Botanical Beach near Port Renfrew in Vancouver Island found a foot in a sock in a running shoe. February 17th. This is 
10 days later, Vancouver Island again in Port Renfrew, February 12, 2016. Foot 17. With that, I keep getting the foot confused with the date. So February 12th, which is the date the second foot was found in Port Renfrew. A foot washed up near Port Renfrew again, Vancouver Island, BC. Coroner's service said it matches the one they found five days earlier. So, well, that's at least again, good. It's not like separate mysteries that are hitting Port Renfrew. Okay, and it washed up in the same place. I find it interesting on this one that this one is the ocean and it washed up in the same place, whereas in the Salish Sea. They've been all over the place, yeah. They've been all over the place. But they're think- also like different shoes and feet as far as yeah, we can tell. But there's been matches and the matches have gone into different islands and stuff where there's more area to get lost in. It washes up in the same spot, which I think is a little bit weird. And interestingly enough, there are, at least from what I understand, the rest of the world does have ocean and land coinciding together, running into yes. each other, if you will. And they do not get feet in shoes washing ashore. Exactly. This is the only place in the world that this appears to happen (laughs) on a regular basis for a little while. Yeah, and there are much more, I mean, there's a higher population in this area due to mainly Vancouver and Seattle and Washington. But it's not like those are even big cities like compared to other cities that can be on the ocean. They're not. And there are much bigger cities on the ocean. Even North America, even the West Coast, like LA and San Diego are probably bigger cities. Even on lakes. Yeah. And this is not happening. (laughs) So we're almost there. Foot 18, Vancouver Island again. Remains of a leg with a shoe attached washed up near the settlement of Jordan River on Vancouver Island. I don't actually know where that is. Number 19 was found May 6, 2018 on Gabriola Island again. Population on Gabriola Island is small. Oh, yeah. It's like in the hundreds, is it not? I believe so, yeah. Um, As are most of the islands we're talking. Vancouver Island's the biggest of all the islands. Um, Oh, by far. All the other ones are tiny. Even one's not even populated, that Kirkland Island. Shortly after noon on Sunday, May 6th, a man walking along the shore on Gabriola Island encounters a hike. I wanted to correct myself. It is 4,500 people live on Gabriola Island. 4,500. It's getting up there. Okay, so shortly after noon, Sunday, May 6th, a man walking along the shore of Gabriola Island encountered a hiking boot with a human foot inside, wedged in a log jam. That also seems suspicious to me. And here we're joining up with Foot 20 in West Vancouver, September 2018. Hey, Foot, good to see ya. Yeah, our good old friend, the Foot. Foot 20. We've heard so much we about you. you. <laughs> West Vancouver foot with light gray Nike free run or RN shoes. Free run. I feel like that foot took that name too literally. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't need a, a body. <laughs> yeah. Shoe. On the shore near the 30th Street Beach access point to West Vancouver, the size 9.5 shoe was manufactured between February 1st and 17th of April 2017. Again, a very short period of time. It was believed to have been worn by a male and had a blue sock. That's the first time we've actually seen a sock described. That's the most they've ever described the sock. Yeah, I feel is. like you could get more information out of the socks than they've given us. It is. And on foot 20, they finally give us the sock information. Yeah. And now we're all out of feet to talk about. The victim is believed to have been under the age of 50. 
<laughs> they really narrowed it down. Yeah. If you were curious on that one foot, I have that information for you. They were under 50. Oh, hold on. We have one more. Hold on. No, no. I just said foot 20 again. Yes. I must have been excited about foot 20. Okay. Now, January 1st, 2019, when people on Jetty Island in Everett, Washington. Hold on. We did just do foot 20, but I have another one. Okay. There are two foot 20s. Understood. <laughs> Yeah, two foot twenties. There's a reason we're not counting one of them. Maybe. I don't... Okay, let me just read. Maybe I'll come up with the answer. Or maybe I count... I mixed up my count. And maybe this is just um, 21. Yeah. That's not going to unheard of. <laughs> yeah. So the most recent sighting of... What? Or, or discovery, I guess. I keep calling them sightings, but I'm so used to saying sightings on here on Journey to the Fringe because we're used to cryptid sightings. UFO sightings. It's more than just a sighting. Like, now. they found this but It didn't just run off after that. Term would be discovery yeah. Yeah. of a foot. As in, I discovered a detached human foot, not I had a sighting of a human foot, and then it was gone. Yeah. If you found a, the rest of the body, would you consider that the detached body, and then you found the foot? Oh, no. Not at that point. I don't think I would okay. be like... How much of the body do you have to have to decide one side's detached and the other's not? I found this detached body from its foot. Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone would how much? That. How much of the body do you need then to make that decision? I was just going to say, what's the appropriate amount of body to say this body is detached from its extremities? And, and that reminds okay. me of a, a, a joke on Flight of the Concords back in the day where their friend, I forget his name, but he was talking about somebody that was grabbed by the penis and they cut the band's body off from there. And they say, didn't you mean that they cut his dick off? And they said, no, because at the end of the day, he was just a dick. <laughs> and it brings up a good question or topic at least to talk about. I would say the defining point is probably all the limbs. Is it all the limbs? Is it a weight proportion or is it like a significance yeah. portion? At least, but half. like even hmm, even if it was a severed head, you would say severed head. They didn't discover the person. It's true. We really do think of the torso. Yeah, it's really the torso. The like we always <laughs> think of like the the place well, where the place where like the humanity exists is in the head, but that can be severed. <laughs> and then you still think it's missing from the body. Yeah weird it could just be a journey to the fringe thing or science do you think science would agree i think that's a grammatical thing i wouldn't call it a scientific discovery does science have an opinion of what you need to be considered being an incomplete body and even so if your torso is cut in half you would say missing half it's dis we discovered half a severed torso yeah <laughs> not a body Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> the last sighting, the most recent, January 1st, 2019. Is this the second 20th sighting? This is. And you know, I think where the confusion is coming from is all that talk of August 20th, 2007. No, hold on. <laughs> it said the last sighting was 2018. Now I said August 20th, 2007. I'm confusing myself. Said it too much. It's the only date I know. 
this must be like a new, new one. Well, it's not new because it's 2019 because my sightings were up until 2018. So I think I must have found another one is what's going on here. <laughs> so let me just tell you about it instead of all this hearsay about where I came up with it. January 1st, 2019, when people on Jetty Island in Everett, Washington called police to report a boot with a human foot inside, which the coroner was able to match to Antonio Neal, who was missing since December 12, 2016. We keep talking talking about like every time you they find it in a shoe you go very in detail as to what the shoe was and it was like okay. it was created in like a 20 minute window at this factory for distribution yeah. in one town <laughs> in eastern idaho whereas with the boots it's just a boot yeah boots are all the same yeah they're, you know all i keep assuming is these cowboy boots keep showing up <laughs> And they're like, oh, fuck them. I hate cowboy boots. You're poking holes in this. Okay. It's true. Boots are boots. Socks are socks. Unless it's the one blue sock. Yeah. Shoes are very fucking specific. <laughs> like, like, like again, are... just, just going back to my theory, it's a fucking sneakerhead behind this whole thing. But it must be. Okay, there's more of a conspiracy to yeah. this than we think. A boot's a boot, I guess. No dude a boot. There's so much to shoes that much must be taking into consideration even though there's more what? of a boot there it's very generic everything what generic. color what shoe size where it was produced and nothing of the sort for the boots moving on so among the 20 ish feet found we think there might be 21 there are a couple of hoaxes i didn't tell you about the hoaxes just in case you're getting confused right now Prank or pranksters if you want to call them you're gonna get into these right like i don't have to speculate what you mean by hoax right a couple okay yeah it's vague i'm not gonna tell you the whole story okay. because we came here for the who's real to hoax. say who's <laughs> to say i just don't know what part they're hoaxing <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. Okay. So the pranksters, if you want to call them, stuff shoes with chicken bones or skeletonized dog paws and place them along Canadian shorelines. And one was specifically found in Powell River, and Powell River never came up once in any of the other... Did Powell River inland? Or am I thinking of somewhere else? I think you're thinking of somewhere else. Powell River is... On the Salish Sea? I believe it is. You have to take a ferry to get Oh, there. yeah. It's just north of Vancouver Island. Okay. Off of Blubber Bay and Myrtle Point. Yeah. It's as well very small. Yeah. So one of those was Powell River. So yeah, those were hoaxes and pranks. Okay. Why you would want to prank that? No idea. Unless you live in Powell River, then you might get the idea behind why they're doing it. I don't know. <laughs> Not much to do there. So let's move on from the found feet. I know I just gave you a lot of found feet for you to recall at dinner parties. And you know what? We've been giving a lot of advice lately on how... We're getting too fancy, Chelsea. I'm a little worried about this podcast. How do we actually get back to speaking to the common folk after this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We don't. I, I think we've just elevated to the next level. And we gotta hope that our audience elevates with us. I think we've done a good job helping them get there. And if they can't, it's we're, their own fault. We're not giving them, like, ballroom dancing etiquette. Like, I mean, it could be used there. It could. No, but you could stand off, like, aside to the ballroom dancing, having these conversations. 
yeah. be small talk, if you will. These conversations, okay, we say dinner party, they can be used anywhere. Well, yeah. In the office, around the water cooler. Galas, ballroom dances off to the side, yeah. on the squash yeah. courts. In the bathroom when you're in your stall and yeah. someone walks in and sits down in the stall next to you. Or just outside the bathroom door waiting for somebody to come out. Yeah. <laughs> They're trapped at that point. That's when you got them. There, I think we just unelevated ourselves. See, I think those are still highbrow events. <laughs> highbrow events at bathrooms. <laughs> Rich people poop. They do. They do. Yeah. They would use public washrooms. Yeah, just different public washrooms. They got fancier toilets. Probably bidets. Yeah, you can still use all of this there. If you're ever struggling to make small conversation, especially where you shouldn't, these come in handy for that. Actually, if you end up in a situation where you don't know what to ask, you need to say, hey, 20 more or more severed feet washing up ashore count as foots or feet if they aren't actually yeah. matching feet. Many things came up in this episode in which you could... And how much of a body do you have to have... <laughs> Before it's severed from the body. Yes. Yeah. Or what part? What is the most important Let part? Let us know your findings. Is it the nipple? That you're taking? Yes. <laughs> nipple will never find severed nipples. It would be disembodied from the body. <laughs> disembodied nipple. It wouldn't just say... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> where was I? <laughs> Anyhow, this is where I was saying this topic is better for like large groups of people. Hopefully if you're eating like at the large table, family. So it, it really should be a cocktail Christmas party, dinner. Christmas dinner. Yeah. Where the Grinch is serving up his very first who roast beast. Yeah, that would be best. Yeah, because who knows what to talk about when the Grinch has finally sat down with your clan. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be a real conversation starter. Or if you're the, what do they call it on Curb Your Enthusiasm? When you're in the middle and you get the conversation going for the whole table. This is a good conversation for the middle person at a dinner table to get the conversation going with the table. Any of the ones that yeah. come up in this episode. Also, if you happen okay. to be listening during like Thanksgiving-ish times, you could really just say, I am thankful to have two foots or two feet, <laughs> and then go on to explain why you're thankful. Included with my body at this time. And to still have my body. I have severed nail clippings from my body. I do not believe those to be my body or the body itself. Everything is intact at this moment. But at this point, do I consider my feet my body? Now I'm confused about that. Okay. Speculation of where these feet have come from ranges from natural disasters such as... I assume bodies. Have they not thought of that? Yes. Bodies, first and foremost. Yes. Um, natural disasters next, such as a tsunami. Um, the work of drug dealing. I've never heard of a tsunami producing feet. No. Like, they, they only uh, get produced by human bodies in my mind. It's true. It's true. A foot tsunami sounds terrifying. Does. And also like the next big great horror movie after Sharknado. <laughs> the work of drug dealers. I've never heard of a drug dealer chopping off feet and throwing it into the ocean, but maybe I'm missing something. Especially just Serious it being a Vancouver killer? thing. 
Yeah. Like, if it was specifically happening in Vancouver, you think people would know about it? Or at least somebody yeah. would have told the media and or the police that the drug dealers were doing it. Yeah, like, we suspect drug dealers. Or, like, someone being like, hey, my drug dealer threatened to cut off my foot and throw it into the ocean, and now they're finding all these feet. Yeah. Maybe it would have rung some or, alarm hey, bells. my friend who lost a ton of money to this drug dealer lost a foot, and all these yeah. feet are washing up. <laughs> <laughs> and it matches his shoe. Yeah. And we haven't also seen him. Yeah. Some people suspect serial killers and or human traffickers or people importing humans illegally. Like, um, what do they call those? Isn't that human traffickers? Is it? Coyotes? Oh, yeah, that is human traffickers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I bring up good points. One theory in particular concerns a plane crash off Quadra Island three years ago with five men aboard and only... How many feet? I think five would make ten feet or less if somebody had already lost a foot. It could be more. Only one of the bodies had been found, and I don't know when that was updated or if we've ever found any of the other ones. Okay. Other theorists believe the coastline is being used as a body dump for organized crime activity. A third scenario is a serial killer at work. Um, I'm not sure where I got third scenario because I already mentioned that. And then I brought it up again. So by the time I get to this one, it's probably like the seventh or eighth scenario. And it's a repeat of another scenario. And like we went through on them, 13 of the 15 feet have been identified. Chelsea, the most part I told you. The Canadian yeah. feet, I assume then. Yeah. Because you said 13 of the 15. Right. Which right. there's well more than 20. Or at least 20. We were a little confused at the end there. Yeah, we are. We're still confused. Yeah, of the Canadian feet have been identified. In Canada, the BC coroner, and I'm assuming the one in the bag was, no, it specifically said it was never identified. They assume that they're Canadian feet, so maybe they just didn't care to identify it. But no, we're only counting our feet now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> in Canada, the BC Coroner's Service said in December 2017 that foul play had been ruled out by authorities in all investigations and that the feet came from people who died either in accidents or by suicide and the feet detached during the normal decomposition process. Okay, now, so the only thing that we're really sure of is that ducks aren't doing it. Got yes, it. absolutely positive. Okay. Um, I would like to unpack both of these things a little bit. So the first one, 13 of the 15 feet have been identified as we went through. So most are attributed to suicide or misadventure, such as the plane crash I just mentioned. Actually, I don't think any of the ones that came up were actually from the plane crash. So not such as the plane crash. Did we bring up the plane crash? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are just... Um, <laughs> most are just attributed to suicide for the most part or a misadventure like drowning or the guy who disappeared from the fishing boat that one would be misadventure i guess yeah quote all of these individual deaths are well documented and there is enough evidence to suggest that these deaths were not suspicious end quote yeah well and i mean that uh, one guy tried to have an adventure on a fishing boat and he just missed so I get it. It's probably just working, which I wouldn't call so much of as an adventure. No, that's But he definitely one. wasn't trying. What? Who knows what he was trying to do with his life or feet at that point for... I, I, yeah, I'm more so worried about what he was trying to do with his feet at the time. Yeah. As for the normal decomposition process goes, the feet that have been found have all been naturally decomposing. Since there is no clean cut and the above feet identified 
there was no suspicions otherwise that they had shown up and been cut off or anything like that. Decomposition may separate the foot from the body because the ankle is one of the most weak joints in comparison to other joints or areas of the body. And with decomposition and scavengers, it would actually separate really easily from the body. And it turns out that underwater scavengers like crustaceans will work around bones and other tough obstacles, preferring to pick apart softer tissues. And unlike the bony ball and socket joints that join our legs and hips, our ankles are mostly made off of soft stuff, ligaments and other connective tissue. The bones are quite small in your ankle. So it follows that a sunken shoe wearing body in the Salish Sea is likely to be chewed apart by scavengers and to have its feet disarticulated from the rest of the body in short order. According to Simon Fraser University entomologist Gail Anderson, extremities such as hands, feet and head often detach as the body decomposes in water but rarely float. An interesting point there. So then we say the feet were usually found in sneakers as with most of them except the boots. And one without a... It was just a barefoot. Nobody wants to talk about the boots. Yeah. Except leg and boot square. They want to name a square after it. Maybe it's because it is so odd. And like nobody wants to talk about it. They want to bring attention. So the sneakers, the coroner thought was responsible for both keeping the foot buoyant enough to eventually wash ashore and for giving the feet enough protection from decomposition to be found relatively intact. You probably noticed that all the shoes of the feet were wearing running shoes. They were running shoes. If you can even Google to look at the shoes, you can Google these exact shoes. They come up. Now that we've determined that this all really just kind of makes sense, I'm wondering where are all the other detached feet in the ocean going and of the ones that don't end up on the shores around the Salish Sea? Are they floating in Garbage Island? They literally must all collect in other places we're just not aware of, surely. My theory is that it's just an elaborate advertising campaign by Nike, but I don't have a lot to back up my theory. Would you call it successful? I didn't say successful. I said advertising campaign. (laughs) Just healed, potentially failed. Fucking nailed advertising campaign. (laughs) Or neutral, did not... Push it, it just happened. We're talking about yeah. it, aren't we? And then something else that came up. I mean, it relates to the story. One would have to wonder about bodies or feet, rather, of those found after major ocean disasters such as the Titanic. With only recovering 360 of the 1,500 lost, no feet mentioned, with 500 miles of body strewn about There are known cases of leather being unaffected by salt water, with archaeologists finding pristine sandals and ancient shipwrecks, so the likelihood of finding leather shoes or even non-decomposed remains in shoes from the Titanic are very high. In the right conditions, it is said that the ocean has been able to preserve organic matter for centuries with the tentative identification of bodies at the ship's hull, but how many shoes are still preserved there to this day are suspected to lie at the bottom of the Titanic. Now, Maybe those are the boots that washed ashore in Vancouver. (laughs) I mean, that's quite the distance, but that's about a hundred years between the two. And it is across a big, big chunk of land. So it's probably not those, but exactly to our point that we are making about this, you're not seeing this happen with this either anywhere like no mass feet anywhere it's just happening in this one area that too it might just be the currents at least on the east coast of north america that are not congruent to things washing ashore 
Great. And that's where my next and last point is going. As for the popular foot area, why is it so popular? As Taylor was saying, kind of. That's where he was getting at. Of course. It's very popular to the currents. Possibly the man who knows the most about how and where things end up in the Salish Sea is Parker McCready. Weird thing to be known for, why things end up where in the Salish Sea, but that's what he's known for. A professor of oceanography at the University of Washington in Seattle. Oh, fucking American gets the win here. Yeah, I know, and it's, this is... Been hyping up Canada this whole time, (laughs) now the Americans got the answer. You know, they didn't want to take any responsibility for these feet. They didn't want to say whether they're victims of foul play, whether they've been identified, but they get this guy. Might as well end the episode here. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, So he's built a three-dimensional computer simulation of the coastal ocean of the Pacific Northwest, including the Salish Sea. And he says, quote, it's all realistic, end quote. He says every quote in the sense that it has realistic tides, winds, rivers, and ocean conditions, end quote. The simulation is called Live Ocean, and as we talk on the phone, oh no, I'm quoting from someone else, but I don't know where I'm quoting from. Some guy said this. He probably has both feet. (laughs) Someone was talking to him on the phone. We both watch it running on his website, so it's on his website. Pull it up. I hope it's there. Brightly colored water sloshes around the map according to that day's weather and tides. McCready uses the model to predict where an oil spill would travel over the course of three days. As they watch, whoever that is, someone with Parker McCready. Black Batman. This is going to be noted up in the notes, okay? I'm not stealing. I'll find it. We watch black blobs appear near Seattle and Tacoma, simulating the hypothetical oil spill and immediately start flowing north into the Puget Sound, sailing on rainbow colored swirls that depict moving waters of various salinites. Salinities. Salinities. I caught that one. Soon, the blobs break apart into thin streams and dots spilling and sloshing in every direction as tides and currents push them around. As it turns out, Live Ocean reveals an important key to the mystery. Why so many feet are washing up here in particular? The answer? The Salish Sea has the perfect storm of feet ensnaring properties. I don't know if I would have put it that way. There are way more island dense areas where people would be drowning. Like, is it just we don't hear about them because they don't speak a more common language like Indonesia or Malaysia? It's not. It has nothing to do with population density. It has more to do with the tides, I believe. In this specific area in the Salish Sea, which is... But what, like, wouldn't uh, a heavenly island-dense area, and you are I know you're not going to have this answer, but any heavily island-dense area would have the same issue, would it not? Like, I don't see an area mm-hmm. like Malaysia having that... It doesn't necessarily mean that the tides are going to be exactly the same. Not exactly the same, but like, anything with a current with a magnitude of islands is going to push things ashore particularly like debris. Yeah, and I didn't look into any other area just in this research. This is specific to this area. So it would all have to do- No, and nobody talks about any other area. I yeah, agree. it would all, but you would think that it would be drawing attention because this is drawn attention all over the world. Yeah, but I wonder if it is and... certainly like an ethnocentric ignorance that brings it that way. As in like it this is a be. unique area for the English speaking world. And this actually happens all the freaking time uh, island dense areas. 
but um, we don't really care about most other densely island areas because they don't speak our language. I can't say, but it is a unique situation what is going on here. Parker McCready has this tidal map of everything working. The reasons add up. First, it's an unusually large and complex body of inland water, which acts as a trap. And as McCready's model shows, once something goes in the water, it might wash ashore in plenty of places, but it's still within the Salish Sea, except for Port Renfrew. Second, the prevailing winds are west liars. So they bring stuff in from the ocean rather than pushing it out to sea. And finally, there's something McCready's model doesn't show, but he points it out. You see a lot of folks wearing sneakers at the beach in the Pacific Northwest, where many choose to hike among the slippery rocks. Taken together, all these factors, plus the cold, deep waters and healthy scavenger populations make the Salish Sea an ideal foot magnet. I'm not sure where the slippery rocks comes from, because most of these were suicides unfortunately. So yeah, that's the end of the episode. Mystery, I mean, there's not much to the mystery. There isn't a serial killer, it's natural causes. This is due to tides and due to sneakers. I mean, the real mystery here is what's up with the boots? I guess if we're gonna say anything about it. What kind of boots? Why boots? I'm assuming the boots are leather. It could be rubber boots. That is a kind of boot. They could be rubber boots. I never thought of that. I thought of like fancy pirate boots. I just thought of cowboy boots. <laughs> and and I, like, I, I fully understand the, the Albertan cowboy that went to the coast and, and got yeah. way out of their depth, quite literally in the ocean, <laughs> saying, oh no, it's super shallow right now. Don't worry about it. And then the tide comes in. And that's why we need more information on the boot. There's so many fucking kinds of different boots. Why they didn't disclose that information. I have a huge problem with that now. That we just meant both were thinking of different boots. Anyhow, that's it. That's the end of my episode. Yeah, and I think we gave you many a great topic again to bring up in your oh, yeah. fancy affairs in your life. As you grow more cultured with us as a both a listener and an experiencer of Journey to the Fringe. And here we leave you with the ship of Theseus in that how much of the body must be severed off before it can be considered the body. I have been Taylor here with Chelsea. We have been Journey to the Fringe. Thank you all for listening and we will see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes, or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Uh